morning, everyone. Nice to see you this morning. Welcome to church. And also, if you're joining online, I am just so pleased that there are uh, so many people joining online, and welcome to you guys as well. Um, it's important to, to be together as church family, and uh, it's great to be in the building, but it's also great to be joining in online live when it's happening. If you watch this afterwards later on, uh, then welcome uh, at that time, whatever time you're watching. And uh, just a, a reminder uh, that we do need to keep ourselves safe and uh, to remember the whole hand cleansing routines, physical distancing. Do you notice I'm not calling it social distancing? Listen, we should be more socially connected just now than ever before. Um, face coverings and just the, you know, the importance of kind of looking out for each other and giving each other our space. Um, and yeah, you know, we do have limited space in the building, which is why we need to book in in advance. So if you've not been yet and you're joining us online, you want to be here uh, in person, then just book online and uh, you can be here next week. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that the last round of changes that has been announced this week has not restricted us from meeting together. I don't know about you, I was, I was, like, I was really nervous about what was going to happen. But I think the reality is that we need to prepare ourselves that that might be the case. We might need to revert back to online. So just so that we're aware of that. Um, so just that's, that's my wee spiel. But welcome, everyone. It's great to see everyone. It's great to see part of your faces today. <laughs> um, so let's, let's just pray, and then we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, yeah, we, we just need to, to remember some people in prayer. Uh, today, we need to remember Heather. Heather's back in the hospital, um, as many will have heard. And so we need to pray for Heather. We heard that Caroline had a, a fall yesterday. She fell down the stairs, and we've not been able to get in touch with her to find out what the outcome of that is. And yeah, just to pray for Margaret and uh, Ronnie's family as well. So let's, we're, bow, we're going to bow our heads in prayer. Uh, we're just going to bring ourselves before God. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. You know, one of the reasons that we're doing that is that we, we're, we can't sing. Um, but when we pray together, that, that's a powerful thing. And when we say amen together, and it's a way that we can just join with each other and, and worship in God through prayer. So that's one of the reasons that we're, we're saying the Lord's Prayer together. Apart from all that, it just contains so much that it's a great prayer to pray every day and I encourage us to do that. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence. Father, we thank you that we can be in the building. And Lord, we thank you that we have the technology that people can be joining us online as we're, we're, we're doing this here in, in the building. Father, we're, we're able to be out uh, in the world as well through the airwaves, through the internet. And Father, we just thank you for the technology that allows us to do that. Lord, we, we've come here today because we, we really want to worship you. Father, we've come here today because we love you. We've come here today because uh, we're part of your family and we recognize the importance of worship. Father, those who've joined us online today are here today because they value fellowship, because they value worshiping you. And so, Father, we just pray that you would help us today as, as, as we go through this service, as we just take time to, to worship and to pause and to pray and to do all the things that we will do, to take communion and do all these things. Lord, we, we just want to experience your presence in this place today. Lord, we recognize that we could be anywhere today, but we're here because we want to come into your presence. And so, Father, we just ask that you would just bless us with such a strong sense of your presence in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing, or sorry, Sarah's going to sing a song. We can join in and worship. The words will be on the screen. Um, it's a kind of newer song, but I just felt it tied in with what we wanted to share today. And so I'm grateful to uh, Sarah for leading this. So it's called New Wine. And we're going to move from that into sharing communion together. And then we've got some other things that we need to do today. So thank you, Sarah.
Sorry. Let's just rewind. Sorry. As we take communion, <laughs> take two, we can go all the way back to Genesis and uh, see a picture of Christ in Genesis. It's funny how even the second time you say something, you say it differently. Um, and this is the scene. Jacob is an old man. He's at the end of his years and he brings his sons and his 12 boys and he wants to bless them. And one of those uh, sons is called Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, he, he, he brings them in and he lays his hands on them. And this is what he says over Judah. We read this in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. It says, the scepter, and the scepter is, is the symbol of power. It's a symbol of a king. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of nations shall be his. And what it's looking forward to, it's looking forward to Christ when Christ will come. And we, we read that in the, the Gospels, how Jesus came and how he fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. And this is what, you know, that's exactly what it's talking about here. And it says that the obedience of all nations shall be his. We don't see that yet, but there's a time coming where we'll see that in Christ, where the obedience of all nations will be his. There's coming a time, the Bible says, where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're not, we don't see that yet, but it's coming. And one of the things that we need to understand when we read things like this, when these people prophesied thousands of years ago, they looked ahead and they saw Christ and they saw his first coming and sometimes they saw his second coming at the same time and the two get merged together. But it goes on to say, he will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. You know, we're thinking about how Jesus came into the city, this triumphal entry. And then it says his, uh, he will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. And I think it's, I, I interpret that as a picture of what was to come, the suffering that Jesus would endure. And it reminds me that the the bread which we take and the wine which we drink uh, reminds us of the blood of Jesus, that symbol of the, the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus, which was, his blood was shed for us, his body was broken for us. And that's what this reminds me of. And it was just, as I was reading through these, these, uh, these verses, it just made me think about just how incredible it is that here's Jacob blessing his son, and it's a, a blessing for his son, but it's also a blessing that carries all the way down through the generations and through time until it's fulfilled in Christ. And there's more to come yet because he's coming back again. And when we read in the Bible, Jesus said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me until the time when I come back again. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll just do something new. We'll, we'll drink this new wine in heaven. And I, I don't know about you, but that excites me. You know, when life gets tough and, and we wonder why things are happening, we, you know, we live in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's challenging. But we know that we have a hope. We know that we have a future. We know that God is in control and we can come and that we can pray to him. And when we pray that Lord's Prayer, man, I've just seen God answer that prayer so many times in so many different situations. And so as we take bread and we take wine today, that, then we're going to just remember the past, 
where Jesus' body was broken for us, where his blood was shed for us, but we're also going to look forward to the future where he's going to fulfill all the things that he said he was going to fulfill and where the obedience of nations shall be his, where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We serve a fantastic God, an amazing God, and we're in his presence today. And so we're going to take uh, bread and wine together. Let's just prepare ourselves uh, to take the the bread and we'll, we'll eat it together. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Father, we just thank you for this symbol, this tiny little symbol that reminds us of something that was so powerful, something so incredible that it changed the course of history that Jesus died on a cross, that his body was broken for us. And Father, because of his death, we have a hope. We have a future. We have a present, a today where our sins are forgiven, where we're washed, where we're made clean. And Father, where the things that would normally get on top of us, the things which could drag us down and and make us feel guilty and, and, and be living with guilt, you have come to make us clean. And Father, your word says that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to make us clean, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, we thank you that today we can stand clean, free, guilt-free, debt-free because of what Jesus has done for us. And so let's just take the bread uh, together as we remember him. Father, we just take this uh, wine as a reminder of your blood, Jesus' blood which was shed for us. Father, we we can't even begin to imagine that. But Father, we know that we can look forward because of what Jesus has done for us. We can look forward to a secure future that we have a hope, not only for this life, the present life, the, the life that we live in the body, but Father, we have a hope for a future life. And so, Father, we are just so grateful for all that you have done for sending Jesus. We thank you that he came. We thank you that he shed his blood for us. And we take this wine to remind us not only of the past, but of the the future that we look forward to when he says, I'll not drink this again until I drink it anew with you in my kingdom. And Father, we, we have just such an incredible thing to look forward to. And so, Father, as we take this wine, we remember him. Bless this cup as we drink it in Jesus' name. you. Father, we just thank you for the, the living hope, for the living faith that we have, and for the living Lord Jesus Christ who makes it possible for us to enter into all these things. Father, may we continue to experience your presence in this place today. Lord, that's what we covet. That's what we long for. We long for your presence. And so, Father, we, we pray that our 
our eyes and ears would be open to hear what you want to say to us today. Father, that as we come together, as we come together in fellowship today, Lord, that you would be the glue that joins us together. Father, that you would be the one who's in between us and, and just bringing us together. Lord, we, we, we just value fellowship. We value uh, each other. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us today. Father, yeah, there are people in our, our fellowship who uh, are struggling. And Lord, we just remember them before you today. We think of Heather um, back in hospital. And Father, we just pray that you would come into that room. And Father, that you would bring healing into her body. Father, your word says by your stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. And Father, we just pray that you bring healing uh, into Heather just now. Lord, we pray bring freedom into this uh, situation that she is in. Lord, may she be strengthened and upheld and know your presence. And Father, we pray for Caroline as well. Lord, I don't know what the outcome of uh, this fall has been yet. We've not been able to get in touch with her, but Father, you know. And Father, we pray that your hand of protection may be upon her. Lord, that your hand of healing would be upon her. And Lord, we just pray for restoration in her body and in her mind and in her spirit. And Father, we remember Margaret uh, today and Ronnie's family. And Lord, we ask that you would be a comfort. Lord, you have promised that you will comfort us. And so, Father, we look to you for that comfort. So, Father, we just ask that you would come and presence yourself with them today and in the days that will lie ahead. And Lord, we, we pray for all those who are grieving. Um, and Lord, we ask that your hand would be upon them and strengthen them. Father, your word says that we don't grieve like the rest of society who have no hope. But Father, we still grieve. And Father, we still feel the pain and loss of grief. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would comfort each one in our fellowship who's in that place at this point in time. Father, how, however far away that, uh, that event has been where they have suffered loss, Lord, we know that we need to live with that uh, day by day. And so, Father, we pray, strengthen each one. May your hand be upon each one to, to bring peace and, and strength and hope. And so, Father, we just ask that you would do these things in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for anyone in our fellowship who's in need, whatever that need may be, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, Lord, that you would come and that you would presence yourself in, in every heart, and in every home, in every family. And Father, that you would just pour out the things which we need. And may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Okay. My apologies to those online. I forgot to switch on my microphone there. Um, I knew as soon as I switched it off, I would forget to switch it back on again. Uh, such is life. Um, you all have found on your seats when you come in uh, one of these things, or more than one of these things, okay? It's a little word for today devotional. It says, 90 days of faith, hope, and courage in changing times. If ever we need faith, hope, and courage in changing times, it's now. And uh, this has been put together, especially uh, for the times that we're living in. Uh, we managed to get a number of copies of these so that we can pass them out to you guys. Uh, and so take one. Uh, it's a daily reading. Um, but also, if you 
feel led, there's, there's more than one copy for you, take one of those copies and pass it on to somebody that you think might benefit from that, that you can bless by that. And for those who are joining online, we will endeavor to get these out to you. Um, there might be a slight delay, but we'll get them out and uh, so that you can pass one on. And if you need an extra copy, just give us a shout. Uh, we have more copies there as well. So that's something for you to take away today. And uh, we're going to watch a little video. We're launching our Operation Christmas Child appeal today. Um, so here comes the video. Sit back and, and watch it. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to, to tune in on, online as well and, and, and see the video. So here we go. Oh, back one. Just go back again and then hit return. It should start it. <laughs> <laughs> The children are completely overjoyed. It's a real celebration. So many smiles on their faces. Smiles are all over. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name. That's what this is all about. Operation Christmas Child is about expressing the love of God. It's its wonderful way to enter into the Christmas spirit in its true meaning. Operation Christmas Child has grown hugely over 30 years since it started here in Britain, but now it is a worldwide project to send millions of shoeboxes all over the world. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders, it knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. So the shoebox journey essentially starts from people in their home packing shoeboxes full of essential items like a toothbrush, some school supplies. Toys and gifts, hygiene items, so there's a real mix. I love choosing the things to go in a shoebox. I like to think about what a child would enjoy receiving. Father, we commit these boxes to you as they start their journey. All sorts of people can help with Operation Christmas Child. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. It's so encouraging having people coming into the church, bringing their boxes. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. So when the children have got their boxes, they are invited to take part in something called The Greatest Journey. Which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes The Greatest Journey, they graduate and receive a certificate and a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, it makes everything new. Operation Christmas Child opens doors for people to discover what is the greatest gift of all, the love of God through Jesus. It is impacting children, 
It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. I really encourage you to pack a shoebox and get involved with Operation Christmas Child. Lives are being changed all over the world. It's brilliant. I find that really moving when I watch that. Um, it's just so powerful. And, you know, we recognize that Operation Christmas Child might be a bit more challenging these days, um, but there are boxes up the back. There are leaflets where you can take them away and uh, get your box packed. Um, but also there is the option to, uh, to fill out a shoe box online, and uh, it's £20, so it's 15 for the box and five pounds, which is the, the normal donation. Um, but I would say if you donate online, if you do it that way, if you pack a shoebox online, let us know so that we know uh, what we've done collectively as a church. And also the, there's normally five pounds goes in the box to cover all the admin and the, the freight and all that kind of stuff. So you can also donate that online as well. Um, just a, a reminder that there's no toothpaste or sweets in the boxes. And uh, here we are, launch. We have five weeks, five weeks to get this done and get our boxes back in. Five weeks to go online if you want to be online and do it online. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's another way to, to do things. Um, and yeah, for some people who are just kind of not managing to get out, that might be the best way to do it. If you can't do any of those options and you're still struggling, but you want to do a shoebox, come and let us know and we can help you out with that, okay? I just want to say also a massive thank you to our online audience. Um, they are, there's so many people that join in faithfully week by week, and I'm just so grateful that you do that. And can I encourage you to keep liking, loving, sharing, and uh, hosting your uh, watch parties. Keep doing that, because the more we do that uh, on our church Facebook, the more activity there is on the page, the higher profile our page will get. And yeah, we really believe uh, that we have a message to share with the whole world. So thank you to our online uh, audience as well and all the things that you do. But for those who are here, um, we've not done this for a few weeks, but we had a wee prize, a chocolate bar for the first 7th and 14th people who came. And uh, yeah, I just keep forgetting to do things like that. So, but today I remembered, and so Marlon, you were the first. Sharon, you were the second. And Jean, you were the 14th, uh, so the so 7th and the 14th, so your bar of chocolates up the back beside a little uh, pot where if you want to put an offering in, you can do so. Um, but let me just say, for the, all those who are donating online to the church and, and giving online, it really has been such a blessing. You know, um, when all this started to hit, I, I got a little bit concerned um, about the way the offerings would go. I, can I say that we have never been as well off as a church. Um, it, it's just fantastic, and I'm blown away by the generosity of this church, and I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who invests in this church. We are sowing seeds, and uh, this little thing here, when it arrives in a child's hands, is sowing a seed, and kids who go and hear about Jesus off the back of this I can't remember the stats now, but it was something like 1 in 15 or 1 in 10 of those children who received this actually make a decision to follow Jesus. And, you know, we believe that Jesus' message is good news for the world. Uh, and, and so every time we give, whether it's of our time, our talent, our treasure, then we are sowing seed into the kingdom of God. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time we participate 
we're bringing that into reality. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you. We are going to uh, share a few thoughts from God's Word today as well. And so um, I would say get your Bibles ready, but uh, it's just a case of today we're going to go into Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And uh, that's going to be our main passage uh, for today. And the title of the message is Demolishing Strongholds. Part one, because when I started to think about this subject, it's such a big subject, and uh, it's not something that you can cover in one session. And so we'll do a few sessions on this whole subject of demolishing strongholds. And uh, when we think about the, the phrase mental health, we tend to think about negative mental health. What I want us to think about and what I want to encourage is how we develop positive mental health and begin to think about mental health in a positive sense as well. And so I'm hoping that this series of messages will contribute towards us being able to adopt some strategies that help us with positive mental health. It's always been important to have positive mental health, but no more so than these days and the challenging days that we live in. And I don't know about you, when I heard about the restrictions and you're not allowed to go into somebody's house and then it was all the other things this week. I don't know about you, I just get wearied with this situation that we're in sometimes, and it gets on top of me. And uh, then there's the, the kind of barrage of bad news, and, you know, just I think about the times that we live in, and there's just this kind of prevalence of fear as well. And we, we need to really be careful about our own mental health. And I, I get that there are serious mental health issues. There are people with mental health sort of episodes, and then there are people who struggle uh, a lot with mental health. So I respect that. I understand that. And uh, I, know, I know what that feels like as well. And there are many things that affect our mental health in a positive and in a negative way. And I just had this strong impression this week that this is where God wanted me to just pause and spend a bit of time thinking about this subject, this whole subject of strongholds. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about strongholds, emotional, mental uh, strongholds. Um, there's a man called David Devonish who wrote a book on uh, demolish. It's actually entitled Demolishing Strongholds. And then he defines a strongholds as wrong thought patterns or ideas which Satan and his demons influence and behind which they hide that can govern or dominate us or communities or nations, even churches. So it's, it's a wrong thought pattern idea or idea which can influence us in a negative way. You know, in my message a couple of weeks ago, I says, don't let problems define your future in God. Don't let your problems of the past define your future in God. It's very easy, and it's easy for me as well, to, to look back at my life and to allow certain things in my life to define who I am as a person, but the reality is that I'm being I am being renewed day by day. You know, inwardly, uh, <laughs> outwardly, I might be wasting away. The body's getting older. It keeps telling me, you're getting older, you need to slow down. But inwardly, inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day, and I can't afford to allow my past 
to hold me down, to tie me down. That's what the past does. It wants to hold you down into negative things that have happened to you, negative things that have been said over you. But there's a future in God that He wants you to grasp. We can allow our past weaknesses, failures, problems to define us. And sometimes that can become like a stronghold in our mind. It becomes part of our thinking that the devil can influence. It can use it to influence us. It can use it to manipulate us. So, for example, let me give you an example. We can have a temper tantrum. Not that that would happen to anyone in here, okay? Or anybody who's joining us online. And we can be tempted to think that when we have a temper tantrum, well, that's just part of our personality. That's just who I am. Sometimes I have these little episodes. But it could be that the fact that you have these little episodes is because there is a stronghold in your mind that needs to be confessed and repented of so that you can grow in your relationship with God. We sang that song, Sarah sang that song so well for us this morning, uh, New Wine. And I'm going to put a, a thing up on uh, the church Facebook, and um, we'll put a link on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, a, a lady called Brooke uh, Liggettwood who wrote this song and who's singing it, and she talks about what it means to have an old wineskin. And sometimes, sometimes the things which are in our past, those strongholds, those things which we think define who we are as a person can be actually an old wineskin that God's wanting to, uh, to, to take off of us so that we can be renewed to hold the thing that God wants to put into our lives today. And so I want to come to a key principle when it comes to this whole area of demolishing strongholds, and it's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And in the NIV, uh, sorry, in the New King James Version, this is what it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. What that is saying, uh, you know, the, 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 the word diligence means that we need to be careful and persistent about looking after our heart. And I'm going to just expand on that in a few moments. This is how the NIV puts it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Our heart is so important that we need to put a guard on it 24-7 so that we make sure nothing comes into our hearts that can bring harm to who we are as people. This is a picture of the Queen's Guard there 24-7 to make sure that that palace is gathered, to make sure nothing can get in, to make sure that nothing can harm the queen because she is the sovereign of her country. And I don't know about you, I just, I love it when she does her Christmas messages and she talks about her faith. I just think it's incredible. But anyway, that's beside the point. What has been said here is above all else, this is Solomon who's writing and he's, he's talking about all these things that we should do to, to be wise and to live a good life. And he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything, everything about life flows out of your heart. And so we need to guard it. Lastly, the Passion uh, Translation slightly expands this. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. What is in our hearts affects all that we are. 
Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. There it is again, above all, above everything else, guard the affections of your heart, because your heart's desires will ultimately influence your whole being. We need to pay attention to the inner well, because our well is the source of our well-being. Our heart, and when we're thinking about this whole thing about mental health, we think about well-being, our heart is the source of our well-being. What happens in here, and I'm going to try and elaborate on what I mean by that in a minute or two. The problem is if we let the enemy into our heart, he can establish a stronghold in our thinking that will influence our whole being. Think about it. Think about the analogy of a well. If, if, the well, if the water in the well is healthy, everyone who comes to draw from it will be refreshed. If somebody was to put something into that well to poison the water, everybody who drinks from that water will be affected by it. If you've ever been in a foreign country and you've drank water that isn't out of a bottle, you'll know what happens to your body when you drink water that's not healthy. You are struggling for a few days off the back of that. And we've been to Bulgaria, some of us, and we've experienced uh, what that's like. It's not pleasant. And it's like that with our hearts. What we allow into our hearts will affect what comes back out of who we are as people. And it can affect us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Why? Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Everything that we do flows out of our heart. It's the source of who we are. It's the very essence of our person, the very core of our being. And it's that mixture of mind, emotion, and spirit, as we thought about just recently. Why do we need to guard our heart? Because the devil wants to influence us in a negative way and with wrong, pattern, wrong thought patterns and ideas. He wants to get in and influence our lives. And then he can establish a stronghold. I don't know if you've ever thought, if you've ever had or felt that you've had these kind of negative influences or thoughts in your life. You know, has anybody experienced that where you just kind of get something that gets into your mind and you can't get rid of it? Is it just me? Have you experienced that? What about those online? Have you experienced that? Just give us a click if you have. Um, there, there, there are periods in our life where just something gets into us and gets a hold of us, and it's like a stronghold uh, is established in our lives. But here's the thing. Even though strongholds can be established, God can bring down every stronghold in our life. And God can give us the victory in every situation. With his help, we can demolish the enemy's strongholds. I just want to maybe kind of try and personalize this about, make, make it some more practical. You know, just as an, 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 an illustration, in the Old Testament, we read about examples of cities that had what's known as a stronghold or a strong tower or a citadel. And there is an example of that in Judges chapter 9, verse 51. It says, Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city had fled. When they were under attack, there was a stronghold, there was a citadel, a strong place in the middle of the city where the people would run to and they would be safe. And that's what it's like in our hearts, that we need to guard that cent central place 
of our hearts because that's where the devil uh, wants to attack. And I'm going to mention more about this on uh, maybe some things that I'll put on Facebook during the week. I don't know if people have been catching the little devotionals over the last couple of weeks. Um, my notes went from 10 pages down to seven today. I'm like, I need to, I need to cut this down. I'm already looking at the clock. There's so much that we can say about this. But let, you know, let me give you an example of this. This is, an ex- this is a picture of uh, the citadel of Aleppo. This, and if you look at, the, let, me, let me just pan out a little bit from here. When you get an idea of the scale of this, it's just phenomenal. Here is this citadel in the middle of the city of Aleppo. We know this has been a troubled part of the world in recent years. Um, and, uh, but, but think about this in the days when this was built. This would be a stronghold where any enemy would really struggle to get in. They've got to cross this flat expanse, and then there's this sheer slope here, which is actually is built out of brick. It's actually built intentionally out of brick. It's a, it would have been a smooth surface. You imagine an enemy trying to run up that and to, to attack this stronghold. It would just have been almost impossible. But here's what I was thinking about this stronghold, this citadel in the middle of the city of Aleppo. It didn't just appear. It didn't just all of a sudden be there. It was built brick by brick by brick. It probably took hundreds of people tens of years to do. And it it made me think about how the enemy wants to get into our lives and create strongholds and form strongholds in our lives. The enemy is so subtle. It doesn't just appear there oh, wow, one day I've got this big problem. It happens over the course of time, brick by brick by brick, and the enemy is so subtle. That's why we need to be on guard all the time about what comes into our lives, what comes into the safe place of our heart. That's why we're instructed to guard our heart. Our well is the source of our well-being. And if the well gets poisoned, then we get poisoned, and then we begin to affect other people. For example, people get hurt, don't they? People get hurt. I don't know, I don't know if there's a single person online or in here who can say, I have never in my life been hurt. Yeah? How does that happen? Usually because somebody else says something or does something, and something gets into your heart and we get hurt. The problem is that hurt people hurt people. That's what happens when we're in that place. When we're hurt, we tend to then hurt other people in the process. Our will is the source of our well-being. It affects us and it affects others. And the enemy wants to develop strongholds in our lives. What does it look like? Let me give you some practical examples of what this might look like. And I really am flying through my notes because uh, I'm aware of the time. It can look like the bully at work who keeps telling us that we're a loser, that we're a waste of space, they're forever pointing out our flaws, our weaknesses, and our mistakes. Is there anybody who's tuned in today online or in here who is totally perfect, who doesn't have any weaknesses, who never makes any mistakes? Okay, no hands are going up in here for the benefit of those who are watching online Every single one of us has weaknesses. We, have, we make mistakes. 
but to have somebody continually point out those weaknesses to you demoralizes you, and it gets into your soul, and something happens to the well inside, and it gets poisoned, and it starts to affect who we are. It can look like the significant person in our life, maybe an authority figure who keeps putting us down, telling us we're no good, telling us that we're a failure, telling us that we're useless. That's what it can look like. And brick by brick by brick, little word by little word by little word, over years sometimes, and a stronghold gets built in our heart that can be so damaging to us as a person, and we think it can never change. But the reality is that I know a God who is far bigger than every stronghold that can ever be established in our life, and He can bring us into a place of freedom. It can look like being jealous with what somebody else has. Why do you think Jesus talked about money? Why do you think He talked about covetousness? Why do you think He talked about jealousy? Because He realizes that if these things get into our hearts, they can poison the well, little bit by little bit by little bit. It can also look like infatuation with someone who's not your spouse. Wow. A little by little. It doesn't just all of a sudden happen. I, was a, I read a book many years ago when I was preparing to do a series of messages on temptation. I did two messages on temptation, and I found two books. One was called Temptations Which Men Face, and the other one, which was similar, was called Temptations Which Women Face. And the content was different, and it was really interesting to read those things. But the reality is that it doesn't all of a sudden happen little things by little things by little, and you get led away down in your thinking into a wrong place. And that's how it happens. And one of the things that it outlined in the books, the book called Temptations Men Face, was the stages that you go through to have an affair. It didn't just all of a sudden happen. It, it slowly crept its way in. It can look like not getting the recognition that we feel our hard work deserves. And lack of recognition can lead to resentment. I'm knocking my pan in here for this company. I'm knocking my pan in for this family. I'm knocking my pan in for this church. I'm like, I do. But when we don't get the recognition that we feel we deserve, it can get into our souls and a stronghold of resentment can begin to grow. Or it can simply look like those times in life where it's one thing after another. And I know that there are people in here today who can identify with this. When it's this continual barrage of stuff, it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, and it just wears us down and it weakens our resistance. And we suddenly find that we've become a target for the enemy. Is this, is this making sense? Is this relate? Am I relating? I, I'm, I'm maybe talking to myself here. Um, if this is relating to you online, please let us know as well. Uh, we'll love your feedback as well. But this is how strongholds can get established in our hearts, and they can be hard to tear down. It's hard sometimes to reverse. You imagine trying to destroy this thing in the days when it was built. Probably be pretty easy to destroy it these days in one sense. Uh, with the technology that we have, 
But in the days when this was built, this would have been a pretty secure place. I would have felt quite safe if an attacking enemy was coming and I was up here on top of the stronghold. So it's a hard thing to tear down. And there's a negative side to that and a positive side. If we have a a negative stronghold in our heart, that can be a hard thing to tear down, but God can do it. God can do that. Also, the positive side is if we have God at the center of our hearts and if He is our stronghold, what is it the Bible says? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Tempted to sing a song. And so, these are how these things get into our hearts. Strongholds can be established. Now, just stay with me for a wee minute or two longer. I'm going to try and open just up this in the last sort of five minutes that I have. Hopefully five minutes, everybody's saying. Uh, just because it gets a little bit complicated and I use an illustration to try uh, and, and, and sort of get across what I'm talking about. You know, when we see somebody uh, in the street, when I'm looking out at you, I just see a bunch of people, right? Bodies in this room. I can't see the guys who are online, unfortunately. Um, maybe, maybe that's a good thing, actually. Um, you may be sitting in your pajamas. But when we see people that we don't know, all we see is what's on the outside, okay? We see, we see the exterior of that person, but the reality is that we are made up of three parts. We're made up of body, we're made up of soul, and we're made up of spirit. And in the body part, I've said that I've used the word recognize. It's our, our senses that help us to recognize the world that we live in. We know what our senses are, especially uh, sight and sound, uh, taste, touch, all these things. Our bodies are able to recognize the world that we live in, and it's our bodies that help us to function in the world today. It might be quite strange if I was trying to do this without a body today, without a voice. How weird would that be? In fact, if, if that happened in this church, I'd be right out that door. <laughs> there is a body here that you can see, that you can interact with, and, and our actions flow out of our attitudes. We need to remember that. Our actions, the things that we do, our functioning flows out of our attitudes, what's at the core of our being. Our soul, our attitudes, if you like, are a function of the heart. It's a function of who we are. Our souls are part of the center of our being. And I kind of think these two bits here form what the Bible talks about, the heart, the very essence of our being. And this is the place that the enemy wants to come in and build a stronghold. I've used words like reasoning and feeling because it's in here that we can think rationally, logically, but also where we feel. And I don't know about you, have you ever done anything that's totally irrational? And you think, that's just, why did I do that? I could share a few moments <laughs> in my life, and I'm not going <laughs> to, where I go, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I? It's just this bit here flipped over and everything that was logical or rational or reasoning just get flipped over by emotion. You think, oh my goodness. Remember we were talking about that temper tantrum thing earlier on. <laughs> but, but our soul is the part that helps us to think and reason and makes us conscious of ourselves, makes us conscious of others. And then there's this part here called spirit. And I, I think the spiritual part of us is what allows us to relate to God. It allows us to relate uh, to others. It's the source of our life. You know, when the, when the, the body dies, the, the spirit leaves the body, 
And uh, before we become a Christian, I, I think this part here, this part here is, is we have a spirit, but the Bible says that before we're a Christian, our spirit is dead in terms of its relationship with God and communication with God. And so we need to be aware of that. When we become a Christian, it's like this transmitter all of a sudden starts to be able to uh, communicate with God and is also able to receive things from God as well. Okay, so it's the part of our being that helps us to relate. And these combined, soul and spirit, I think are what form our hearts. I'm going to fly on through this because we know that there are things which come in through our senses which influence the core of our being, which influence our heart. What is it we were talking about earlier? Guard your heart. We're, we're guarding what comes in to the core of our being through our senses, the things that we see, the things that we hear. But also, uh, also, there are spiritual things which come into our life and affect the core of our being as well. And when we think about strongholds, when we think about the, the work of the enemy in our lives, the, Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battle for the Mind. Has anybody read that book? The Battlefield of the Mind. Because that's where the enemy wants to come in and attack us through different sources, through different routes. And he wants to establish strongholds in our thinking. And remember, remember that our actions, the things that we do, flow out of our attitudes, the things which are at the core of our being. And here's the thing. Wrong thought patterns and ideas are the things which Satan and his demons use to influence and hide behind. How does the enemy attack us? And I think these are some of the ways that he does it. Think about this. The brain, the brain processes print on a page at 100 bits per second, right? That's, I sometimes struggle to see my notes. I think it's part of the way my brain's wired. But my brain processes this at 100 bits per second. It processes pictures at a billion bits per second. Think about the amount of information your brain is processing and th so they say that a, a picture's worth a thousand words, but it's actually worth 10 million, 10 million words. And what we see, the things that we see, flood our minds with information. And that information can have a positive or a negative influence on us. It can also create a stronghold. What we hear, the things that come in, the negative words perhaps sometimes that people say, the bad news that we keep hearing, they can creep in, and the negative words can create a stronghold in our thinking. And they can so be so rooted in our minds that we actually believe them. And we can believe that they define who we are. I heard, I was sharing with some people just in the last week, and uh, I was sharing something with them, people that I trust, and, and they said to me, what you actually said there is something that you need to Get before God and deal with God because that, what you said, does not define who you are as a person. You think it defines you as a person, but it doesn't define you as a person. And that was a revelation moment to me. I thought, wow, all these years I thought I was, and I'm not going to all the details because I'm still working that through, but I was like, actually, I, I was sharing in church that the things of our past don't need to define her today. 
That was, a, that was a moment of revelation for me when I thought, actually, I'm not going to allow that, which I thought was just part of who I am as a person, define me any longer. I'm not going to do it. All sorts of things that can creep in. And that, that was a good thing, by the way. I thought that was a, a, a good and normal thing. Um, but there are negative things that can creep in when, we, when we're sad, when we're angry, when we, when we feel rejection, when we feel shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, all these things. That's only to name a few. They can come in and creep in and, and be part of who we think we are. And we will share more about these things. I, I need to draw things to a, a conclusion because we're out of time. Just remember that from the core of our being, this is where we influence our, our attitudes, determine our actions, physically as well as spiritually. Just to finish off the little illustration that we've got here. Today really has been an introduction into the fact that we need to guard our heart because it's the wellspring of life. What we allow to come in whether through our senses or through our spirit, can get in and it can form a stronghold in our life. It doesn't happen overnight always. Sometimes it's brick by brick by brick. It can be that continual wearing you down. It can be those continual words that you keep hearing from the person that you work beside. Don't allow them to find a resting place in your heart. And just to finish off, remember the Proverbs of, of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. God will be our defense. God will be everything that we need him to be for us. To deal with the strongholds in life, if they've already been established, and we'll think more about how to demolish strongholds in the next two or three weeks, or one or two weeks, sorry. Um, but let's take care today. Let's realize that this is something which is happening to us every day. It has the potential to allow things to develop in our hearts that can become a stronghold that we think define who we are as a person. We need to overcome those strongholds, and we can. And we'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully, hopefully today has been helpful. When we think about our mental health, when we think about what's at the core of our being, our mind, and how the enemy wants to influence that. He wants to get in, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life in all its fullness. Let's just pray as we draw things to a close today. Father, we thank you for who you are today. We thank you that we are yours. We thank you that our spirits are alive and are able to communicate with you through our prayers. Father, as we read your word, you speak to us. And Father, this, is, this incredible thing happens. We can read words and understand them. We can hear your word and understand it, but you do something through the spirit that makes it rest in our hearts. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray, help us to be aware of what is influencing our thinking Father, we pray that you'd help us to think about those things and to bring them before you. And Father, just to submit everything to you. Father, as the Bible talks about in Corinthians, about taking every thought captive and making it a prisoner to Christ. Father, help us to arrest everything that is within us that is not of you. And Father, to just bring that to, to Jesus and to make it subject to his authority. 
We ask that you would help us, Lord, those who are struggling with mental health issues. Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon each one. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen each one. Lord, we pray that you would help each of us to find the way through the situation. And Lord, we know that you can and that you will and that you do. And so, Father, help us to trust in you, to hold on to you for all that we are worth. And Lord, I just think about people today who have never made a decision to follow you. Lord, that their spirits are, you know, is part of who they are, but their spirit is not alive to you today. And Father, I just pray for every person, uh, whether in the room here or online or watching this uh, later as it's been recorded, Father, that you would bring life into our spirits. Lord, that you would restore that connection, that you would restore the, the connection that we have with you. And if you're in that place today and you've never made a decision to, to ask Jesus into your heart, into the core of your being, to switch on the transmitter and receiver in your life, then today you can do that. I'm just going to pray a really short prayer as we're almost finished. And uh, you can pray this prayer after me. Let us know at whitburnpentecostal.com that you've done that. You can communicate with us uh, through the website there. Let us know and we'd love to be in touch with you. Let's just pray one last prayer as we finish off today. Dear God, I recognize that there are strongholds in my life, words which have been said over me over years that have created a stronghold in my life. I confess that before you today. I ask that you would come in, that you would heal me, that you would demolish the stronghold that you would come into my life, that you would forgive me, that you would make me clean today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, let us know. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been part of the service today. It's been great, great seeing faces today. Great to be together. And let's keep praying that, uh, that we don't end up having further restrictions. And if you hang on just a little minute, thank you, Elsie, for reminding me I do need to take my pictures. COVID, can't be doing with it. Okay, the Lord bless you. Have a great week and uh, may the Lord be good to you.